Hey, Harpy Hour fans. We're running a very special promotion for all of our loyal listeners. It's a merch giveaway, specifically our logo stickers, because, well, it's the only merch we have right now. But there's a catch. We're not just giving them away. You have to earn them. To get a sticker, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your preferred streaming platforms. So send us a screenshot or a picture proof that you've done both of those things. So again, that's subscribing to the show and leaving a review. You can send it to any of our social media accounts at Harpy Hour Pod, or you can email it to harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, also give us your address so we can mail you the sticker. You'll also get a shout out on social media and in an episode of the show for our thanks. And don't worry if you can only do one of those two things for whatever reason, I don't know why, do both. You'll still get a shout out, but no sticker. So make the effort. Do better. This promo is only going to last until we've given away our first 20 stickers or if this whole thing crashes and burns, whatever happens first. So hurry up, run, don't walk and get your sticker now. Also, don't forget to tell your friends because, you know, what's cooler than having matching stickers on your water bottle or a laptop? Nothing. Nothing. There's literally nothing cooler than that. Nope. So... Tell your friends, you can each get stickers, show off your friendship, and share your Harpy love. And remember, if you want to see even more Harpy Hour merch coming up, support us on Patreon. These funds will help us improve the show and grow our brand. Now, before you enjoy the episode, check out this promo for another awesome podcast to add to your list. And stick around for Harpy Hour! Hi. This is Minna from True Crime Finland. Ah, Finland, so peaceful and quiet. There isn't even any crime there, right? Wrong. Join me every two weeks in discovering the dark side of the land of a thousand lakes. From the legendary and infamous to the lesser known and forgotten cases, find True Crime Finland wherever you get your podcasts. Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violent, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour! Harpy Hour! The harpiest of hours. Oh, nice work, Steph. Oh, boy. I really like that cover. Tracy didn't do it. I had to. Somebody had to. <laughs> I was reinventing myself. Almost as good as the original. Mm. Almost. I had my little twang to it. Oh, we are the Harpies. I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. And this is our podcast where we share ridiculous stories and in history, history, science, and, and entertainment. entertainment. Whatever sparks our interest. <laughs> Were you trying to change your tempo so that I would not be matched up with you? <laughs> I was trying to match you in the very mellow, um, unenthused. Very unenthused. I'm doing it like a little like quiet echo to you. A calm, soothing voice. Mm, is that your NPR voice? It's not that soothing. Liz found it soothing. I found it quiet. I didn't say the word soothing. <laughs> I remember you I saying "roll the tape." <laughs> roll the tape. We have the receipts. They're very different words. Ooh, oh. they have an ooh in them. Soothe and <laughs> No, it was unenthused. Some selective hearing you've got there. Uh, yeah, I'm far away. It's hard to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole country between Liz and Steph, and so and a whole ocean. it's getting very confusing over here. <laughs> Not like half an ocean. Oh, okay, just half an ocean. <laughs> I have to translate between the two of you because I'm in the middle. Mm -hmm. Messages lost in transmission somewhere yeah, in Colorado. I, would, I mean, I would intentionally fuck with you on that, obviously. Oh, for sure. It would be a game of telephone where nobody wins. Except you. I, I mean, I would be really entertained. Yes. I don't know if we could call that winning. Yeah, we could call that winning. <laughs> How do you 
win telephone? Like who wins? I think it's a like a co-op. Like everybody wins. Yeah, yeah. you all win or you all lose. Yeah. It's socialism. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we learned that at a very that young was age. Our first exposure to socialism. It's a co-op. <laughs> Oh my god. I can't. Do you guys want to know what my favorite part about our new format is? What? What's that? That I didn't have to do jack shit. That's to me prepare next for time. today. And I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. All I had to do was show up for work. That's what yep. me, that was me last week. But yeah. the originally because we were trying to squeeze so many episodes in, it was like I was gonna have to research three topics this past weekend for this session or and next this and tomorrow session, yeah this yeah. week and now i didn't research anything because i already did my one topic hey guys you know what today is when it airs election day oh yeah the most <sighs> stressful day of four years <laughs> <laughs> oh god it. actually perhaps the X number of days after the election are going to be the most stressful for an undetermined amount of time. It's going to be a whole thing where he's like, oh, the ones that came that arrived afterwards don't count or do they? Because those are usually blue. And it's just going to be a whole shit show. It's going to be a whole thing. I requested off the day after election day. I put it on the calendar, like basically without telling anyone. Mm -hmm. Because (laughs) either... Trump wins and I'm going to be in no state to work or Biden wins and I'm going to be hung over from celebrating. So either way, like, I don't think we're going to have an answer. Yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be painful process for a long time contested for weeks, I think. Or conversely, I will have stayed up all night waiting for a non answer and I will be sleeping all day. Yeah, there you Option go. Three. In any of these scenarios, I do not see me being productive that day. I just do not foresee there being a solid answer election night. But this is not going to be an election themed. This segment. is your respite from election madness, everyone. This yes. is for you standing in line, socially distanced, looking for in your escapism, mask, in your mask, <laughs> not being a dick. <laughs> We don't want any non-maskers listening to Harpy Hour. Yeah, just do your fucking duty and fucking vote. And we'll remind you periodically throughout this episode to do it. (laughs) But listen to it for a break, but also do it while voting. Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Actually, you should have voted already by mail. That's true. But if you are physically showing up, you can listen to Harpy Hour. While you wait in your long ass line. Well, Steph, what are they going to listen to while they wait patiently for their civic duties? Tell us. Today, we're going to talk about cross-country running. Subtitle, The Liz Topic. (laughs) Oh, I I do not like this already. (laughs) I feel like you did not request permission for this topic. I feel like I don't need to. I checked your list. It was Whoa. not on your list. So I went with it. I, when you just said cross country, I was like, are we just revisiting like varsity sports that the three of us did not let her in? Like, what are we doing here? Oh, you were just see. saying we've been courteously swapping topics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Liz took the bottle episode for herself. She did. So. Yeah, well, you know, I started looking it up to find out what it was, and so I was already halfway there. And then you were like, wow, Tracy would love this. Good thing I'm already writing all my notes. Yeah, I didn't, like, (laughs) tease you with it and take it back like you did to Tracy. Exactly. Exactly. I just snuck it in there. I'm like, is it on her list? Nope. All right, it's mine. (laughs) Well, in this particular case, I'm the victim. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh my god, cry me a fucking river. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. That was the ripper. <laughs> it was really it was crying. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm done, I swear. Go.
Today, I'm going to tell you guys about a foot race that was even more absurd than the 1904 Summer Olympics Men's Marathon and more absurd than the Barkley Marathon. Inconceivable. I don't like it. I don't like it. I also don't like how you're just clearly not only taking a Liz topic, but trying to show up. (laughs) <laughs> you are it's, it's not topic. subtle like, i it's can't not bring up a topic about running without mentioning our previous topics about running it's <laughs> oh just natural God. you guys did i tell you that my improv teacher recorded the fastest known time on like some 14er mountain the other day she just Gross. like casually is the fastest human to ever run that what i know isn't she the same person who did the uh the Marine Corps the Olympic marathon? trials. Yeah, she won the Marine Corps marathon and she placed 13th in the Olympic trials. Wow. She's bizarrely good. Over a cheeser. She is an over a cheeser. <laughs> she really is. And her husband bakes cookies and like decorates them professionally. Throw my panties at that guy. I know, Ooh. right? <laughs> Baked goods and, and cheese. Oh my goodness. Right? Sploosh. Ugh. So I'm going to tell you guys about the Bunyan Derby. It's actually called the first international transcontinental foot race, but that doesn't roll off the tongue. So they called it the Bunyan Derby. That's fair. (laughs) Is it because it gives you bunions? You will find out why it is quite a fitting name. Oh my. It was organized by Charles C. Pyle in 1928. And this was a race from Los Angeles to New York City. Nope. No big deal. (laughs) So first question, yes. was this a one-time thing or is it recurring? It's happened more than once. It is not recurring. Okay. More questions to come. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stand by for questioning. Please raise your hand before you ask a question. She will not. <laughs> I can't see her. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll play telephone with it. She'll be like, hand, hand. And I'll be like... Steph, Liz is Question raising her hand. from the audience. I guess you can raise your hand in the recording thing, can't you? But uh, I'm not looking at that. I look at my notes, so. Oh, yeah, there is a little Useless. raise your hand It says button. raise your hand button, but I'm not looking at it. So. I'm doing it. There it Let is. Let me know if she raises her hand. Okay. <laughs> All right, I got it. So, race from Los Angeles to New York City, which is an insane 3,422 miles. Just why? Why? I, yeah. That's the whole, like, my question the entire time I was reading this, my one question is, why? The only reason. <laughs> Just why? the one question. Like, Just over and over again. The only reason why? to do that is if you are, like, on the lamb and you can't purchase a cross-country train ticket for some shit. Yes, Liz. Liz is raising her fucking <laughs> hand. Yes, Elizabeth. What? <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Reasonable. Reasonable. We will get a little bit to the why. Okay. So first, it was open to any physically fit man in the world who had the masochistic desire to torture himself with this nonsense. Who defines physically fit? Do you self-identify? The, yeah, self-identify. I do not identify. <laughs> I don't think there was no mention of any like doctor or whatever that needed to sign off which is like any physically fit man in the world who wanted to do it could do it i mean the people signing up probably are not like i probably shouldn't do this because i can't survive it Uh. (laughs) oh okay great (laughs) (laughs) well never mind i have too much faith in humanity The plan was that the participants would run from like one checkpoint slash like campsite day to day. You'd be like, today we're running however many miles from this city to this city. And then you stop there, you're fed and housed for the night. They log your time. And at the end, like they total your time between for all the checkpoints and like whoever has the shortest time wins. Wait, I have a question. Did you raise your hand? I did not. I'm just yelling out. Because that was who I was as an elementary student. (laughs) I was going to ask if it was just a challenge to finish or if it was like a race, like you needed the shortest time. Yeah, there's a race. So like there are 10 prizes. Top prize, first place was $25,000. Oh. Which in today's money is $380,000. All right. It's pretty good. Yeah. Second place, 10,000. Third, 3,000. Fourth, 2,500. And then fifth, the tenth, each got 1,000, which is 15,000 today. And what era was this again? 20s, the 20s. Okay, 1920s. Okay. 15,000 is the lowest prize for the 
fifth through tenth places. And the average working class family at that time lived on like $2,000 a year. So that's like $30,000 today. Yeah. Substantial. So this is a a huge prize. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Even like the 10th place prize would be pretty sweet. But imagine getting 11th. (laughs) Oh my God. I would kill myself. I would actually kill myself. (laughs) Was there like also a time frame or like if you don't finish it by a certain point, like you're eliminated? Because I'm wondering if I could just like walk the whole thing and then just cross my fingers that... That everybody else after you. Oh well, yeah, like everybody else overexerts themselves and they like pass out or you know get rushed to the hospital for exhaustion or heat stroke or something like that. And I'm just like strolling along and coming at the end and still manage to make it into the top ten. So you're banking on like the tortoise and the hare theory that like yeah. someone's taking a nap on the course and you're just meandering. You could do that. I mean, you could just as long as you get from checkpoint to checkpoint by the end of the day. It's doable, I suppose. Oh, so you have to hit the checkpoint. Yeah, you have to hit the checkpoint okay. by the end okay. of that day. Yeah. Okay. okay, so there is a time limit. So it's not yeah. just... Sure. So you have to do you it. You can't show up a week later and be like, I walked it. Well, that was my plan. That, well at that point, you're going to lose anyway. I mean, because they're yeah. counting your time actively running from checkpoint to checkpoint, not like your, yeah. you know, the okay. days or whatever. Well, I'm just hoping that enough people don't make it that I would still be in the top 10. How many people competed? We'll get yeah, there. Maybe we should just let her go. <laughs> maybe you should just let me go with my notes and we'll get to it. Okay, no more hand raising for... Oh. <laughs> oh, so the next line, I haven't read these notes in like a week. You may be wondering... No, because we just said Steph why, is why. So surprised. You may be wondering why, just why. That's the next line of my notes. <laughs> so this guy pile organized the race on behalf of the route 66 highway association, which was basically a group of businessmen from the cities and towns along the newly designed route 66. So they wanted to like bring attention to this new quote gateway to the golden West. So basically it was like still in their kicks. Yeah. Yeah. It was like an advertising ploy essentially to like bring people in. So like people would come to watch the runners arrive to town. Hopefully while they're there, they're spending money at the local businesses. Sure. There was also a carnival that followed the race around and like set up at the camp each night for the local like spectators to come. So they would hang out the carnival and stuff. The runners would arrive and then they'd all congregate there. The runners could earn money at the carnival by like selling race programs and signing autographs. I don't know who the fuck wants autographs for these people. They're like not <laughs> celebrities. Not yet. You got to get in on the ground running. Yeah, maybe if you just get a uh, get I hate that. a autograph from everybody, maybe you'll get the winner and then, you know, it'll be worth, something. Be worth something someday. If I were doing this, I would not be able to lift a pen to sign something. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh my god! You don't run with your arms, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Tracy run? <laughs> yeah. You don't know my life. Pinwheeling Chris. the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> remind me the week that this airs. Remind me for Fun Times Friday to like record myself running with my arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you pinwheeling both arms, just like screaming and running. <laughs> oh Route 66 is beautiful. <laughs> Come to the carnival. <laughs> Sideshows at the carnival included some of the following acts. There was Turtle Boy. No, no. further details. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Use your imagination on yeah, that one. You can figure it out. The world's most powerful portable radio. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Unimpressed. What, what played on the radio? I don't know. It didn't matter. It was loud. It was <laughs> at far range. A 20 piece jazz band. Oh, that's nice. Quote unquote artistic female dancers mm. who put on quote steamy performances. And they, yeah, they were probably strippers. actually just sex workers. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is straight up strippers. There was some like line I read in one article that was just like they spent most of their time in the laps of the farmer boys that they were entertaining. And Liz, there was an embalmed body of an Oklahoma outlaw at this carnival. Hmm. Wow. This is really just like a (laughs) compilation of Liz's segment. It is (laughs) probably Elmer fucking McCurdy. I'm just stealing all of Liz's content today. This is really just <laughs> Steph not wanting to innovate anything and just picking 
cherry picking shit from Liz's segments and being like, look, I did my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when she just plagiarized my (laughs) cannibal segment portion? Yeah, but I gave you credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not plagiarism if you cite your source, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Remember that time I just read a fairy tale? For my segment, <laughs> I yeah. did nothing else. Well, you had to transcribe it, so it took you quite a I, while. It took a really long time, <laughs> and I had some background, so whatever. Thank anyway. you for your service. Yeah. I bet you that was him. It probably was. I mean, how many embalmed how many are out- Oklahoma outlaws were going around at this era? You know, it's yeah. the right time frame. It lines up. It's so yeah. fascinating slash creepy. Let's talk about the participants, aka the Bunyaneers. <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> so you may be wondering, who the fuck would want to be a part of this? I am, actually. There were 199 men from across the globe who signed up. The oldest was 63. Nope. They were mostly blue-collar men who worked in factories, shipyards, farms, stuff like that. And many of them left behind angry housewives and families to go run on the race. <laughs> Agreed. If Craig told me he was going to run, Craig has told me that he is going to go hike like the Pacific Crest Trail and shit like that. And I'm like, how long does that take? And he's like, five months. And I'm like, no, you're not leaving me for five months with like a mortgage and wedding plans. Like, absolutely not. And now imagine being like a woman in the 20s with babies. Yeah. Who doesn't have children. And no job. no job. Yeah. Like you have no income from this time, this period of time. Like, yeah, you might win, you know, what is it, $25,000, but long shot. And now you have no income for three months. Well, you know, the Stork Derby didn't work for them. So now they have to try another tactic. Yeah, another shout out to Liz's segments. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is like just shy of the depression as well. So maybe mm-hmm, they don't yeah. realize yet how, how scary it's going to get for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Few, if any, had any experience running ultramarathons. I'm like, how many ultramarathons were there even? Like, we've only had the regular marathon in the Olympics for a little while. Who was what the article said? None had any experience with ultramarathons. I mean, because it wasn't invented yet is the subtext. These people were not runners. I think the point I'm getting at is they are not. <laughs> these are not long distance runners. These no. are just like average. They haven't Joes. been training. They're just bros off the street. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they've not been training for this. They've just like, this sounds like a thing I want to try. 25000 free dollars for my mm-hmm. effort. What they did have, according to one author, Charles Kastner, was, quote, an uncanny and some might call irrational belief in themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, too, I'm, believe in myself irrationally. I'm putting <laughs> my, that on my resume. <laughs> irrational skills, belief in Irrational myself. belief in myself. <laughs> With no evidence, <laughs> no supporting evidence. Not on my tombstone. This is greatest gift to the world is blind confidence <laughs> in herself. Yep. Beautiful. So the race. It started at the Ascot Speedway in Los Angeles on March fourth, nineteen twenty-eight, and it ended in Madison Square Garden in New York City on May twenty-six, nineteen twenty-eight. That's yep. right. This race was run to completion in eighty-four days. Ugh. And in case you can't math that in your head off the bat, that's an average of 40 miles a day. Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. Was it legit like, I mean, I know you're going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I imagine that at some point there was some sort of transportation involved, like getting over mountains, like certain parts of the terrain in the country, I imagine they were transported. Not, Not much. We'll get to it. So let's get to the literal and figurative bumps in the road. Oh, dear. So there was one runner named John Stone who wrote about his experience, which is where I got most of my info from. It this like very long article that he wrote about his experience from back then. He explained that he understood that the race was like an expensive experiment and the people who were organizing it tried their best, but... Quote, we cannot deny that in the view of all this, we went through unspeakable misery in order to reach New York. (laughs) Who would have thought? Sounds like you're speaking about it, sir. Did anyone who organized the race run the race? No. Of course. Nope, they did not. Yeah. Let's talk about the room and board situation. So they were supposed to be fed every night and given a place to stay since at their campsite. 
the food, most days they were given two jam sandwiches, a cup of coffee or milk, and a small orange. I think that's better that's than it. the fire festival. I need, <laughs> I need more than that to sustain my sedentary lifestyle. Like, yeah. I don't understand. They didn't even have fucking peanut butter, just jam sandwiches. Ooh. Ooh. You can't run 40 miles on jam. Like, at least the fire festival, they were just sitting on the beach. These guys are running 40 miles on That's jam. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no amount of food could make me run 40 miles in a day, but certainly not a cup of coffee and jam. Yeah. <laughs> Many of the men ended up giving up due to starvation, and some took to begging for food along the route. Yeah. <laughs> As you would. <laughs> could they earn food at the carnival? Like, weren't they making money? And They, they probably could... could buy their own food there, I would imagine, because they were making money with their autographs. Yeah, well, these guys are hard up anyway. Like, that's not helpful. Yeah, but the idea that they were supposed to be, like, fed and housed, and then this is their food, is jam sandwiches. And it's not like they have time during the day to go grocery shopping, you know? So, you get what you can. Yeah. Oh. oh, my tummy hurts just thinking about this. <laughs> and what kind of jam? If it was grape, that's just horrible. I like grape jam. No. Mm-mm. I'm a, I'm a strawberry kind of girl. Actually, raspberry. Raspberry? What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Exotic. So Ugh. the sleeping conditions. So the camps were often set up right next to the carnival, you know, the one that has the 20-piece jazz band. So sleep could sometimes be kind of difficult. Oh. The men were not given their own dedicated, like, blankets and pillows. So the blankets and pillows would just be gathered up every morning and then redistributed at random every night. Oh, so they're like... After a while, they were running ugh. out of money and not even washing them. Oh, oh Yeah. So over time, the blankets and pillows were, like, covered in, like, mud and spit and blood and all kinds of, like, oh, I don't want to know what this stain is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't know if they had the energy at the end of the day to do that, though, honestly. Guys will always find a way. That is what I've learned <laughs> in, my, in my 32 years of life. Some men would stand on their pillows when they were changing clothes to like avoid standing on the muddy ground. So now you have like mud on one side of the pillow and someone's nasty like sweaty foot jam on the other Ugh. side of the pillow. Ooh. And then that's the pillow you get that night. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Many developed sores, like bleeding sores on their lips. And they would you know, bleed onto the pillows at night, which just sounds oh. like a biohazardous nightmare. Why their lips? Oh, we'll just get from, there. Just, oh, okay. We'll get Sunburn to Sunburn and windburn or something like that. I guess. Mm -hmm. Some of the men would wear their blankets like shawls at night when they were walking around the camp because it would get chilly. And so they're just dragging the blankets through the mud. Oh. Yeah. And then, so all this was going on and then they would just like gather it up and just redistribute the next night. And you have no idea like whose crusty blanket you have. <laughs> I would just keep my blanket with me. On, when you're running 40 miles? It's a blanket. I mean... Can it be? <laughs> well, we don't know. Maybe they were very nice. Just tie it around your neck like a cape and just run like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's too much drag. Super Liz. Well, what, are you just going to carry it bunched up in your arms? Less drag. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need your arms for running, so Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Tracy won't carry her blanket because she's pinwheeling. Yes. Exactly. You have, have to prioritize, you guys. Pyle, the guy who organized all this, often spent nights in fine hotels. And some of the men who had money of their own and like trainers, because there were a few who like did train and like wanted to do this the right way. Some of them had money and they could arrange for their own food and hotel rooms. So clearly they had an advantage as time went on and everyone else is like starving on jam yeah. and sleeping on crusty pillows. Yeah. But, but most men were at the camps. Yeah. The showers. So uh, a hot shower after a long day of running sounds great, right? No. Yes. Oh. Because the showers were pretty much just like outside with no floor. So the ground quickly just turned to mud. So you're standing in Ooh. mud getting water pouring. I mean, this, is, this, this feeds the purpose of taking a shower if you're showering in mud. Yeah. Yeah. And then only a, there was like a small strip of canvas for privacy and like nowhere to hang your clothes while you're taking your shower. 
So basically, like all the carnival goers could get a free show because it's right next to the fucking carnival. <laughs> well, they should pay for the show and then they can get themselves some good food. They should have advocated for that. Like, I'm going to be, people are going to watch me shower. At least give me money for it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes there wasn't really even enough water to wash your hands with. So let alone clean off your entire sweaty body. And it got chilly at night, so they probably didn't want to hang out at the showers too long anyway. So that was also kind of a disaster. And now let's get to the conditions during the actual race. So as I said before, 3,422 miles. The first 2,400 miles went along Route 66 to Chicago. And Route 66 was largely unpaved back then and riddled with potholes. So it was bound to be a disaster from the onset. That's like my biggest fear is ankle twisting. Oh, there were many ankle injuries. For sure. Yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) Faux show. do not like that. That's a weird fear. I I, like... (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird, like, minor thing to fear. Like, I'm so worried about my ankles. When I'm going up and down stairs, I, like, am very conscious of rolling my ankle. Like, very conscious. I don't know if it's from, like... Why? Years of ballet that I'm like, I have not to turn like you're out. wearing ice skates. Hmm. Oh, that would be, that <laughs> is my actual nightmare. Ugh. I, oh. Well, I, ice uh, skates have better ankle support. Uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about ice skating. On the first day, they only ran 17.5 miles. This is like easily the easiest day of the entire race. There was an audience estimated to be nearly 500,000 people watching the first day of the race. Second day, they ran 34 miles in the rain, and many of them developed horrible blisters from their wet socks. And due to poor planning on behalf of the organizers, there was no, like, designated space for the medical team, like, doctors to tend to the men who needed medical attention. So the men would just, like, lie in their, like, wet, leaky tents waiting for the doctors to, like, come to their tent. They would just, like, make the rounds going around. Men already started dropping out at this point. 16 dropped out by the end of the second day. Started at 199. 16 dropped out on day by day two. I think that my theory of just casually walking the whole thing and showing up two months late, if it were allowed, I think I would still be in the top 10. You would not be. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you do, you girl. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to skip ahead from... To talk about the craziest of days. Okay. Day five, 167 men were left and they entered the Mojave Desert. No. Where they were met with 95 degree blistering heat and presumably no shade because you're in the fucking desert. Yeah. The organizers failed to set up enough road patrols to give out water. So the water stations were often spread out five to 15 miles. Nope. And in the heat, some like in that level of heat and blaring sun, like some of these men were only going two to three miles an hour. So math that out. If you have to get 15 miles to get a cup of water, <laughs> that's hours in the blistering heat without water. That is why they had bleeding lips, Tracy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like ultra marathoners carry their water, but maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like well, this is guys not are something not that you should be relying on. But this is an ultra marathon. Like, I feel like this is a case where people would be carrying their water, you know, for survival. In the pictures that I saw, it just looks like they're pretty much in their, like, shorts and tank tops and just running. Like, they don't have anything on them. It's crazy. They maybe probably just assumed they would be taken care of appropriately. But yeah, they got badly sunburned. Their lips were dry, cracking, bleeding. There was dust in the air, making it difficult for them to breathe, and they were just coughing a lot. And along the way, one man got hit by a car, another by a motorcycle. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just running on the road. road. Yeah. They're running on the, yeah. like, the road yeah. on Route 66 through the desert. On day nine, 130 men made it out of the Mojave Desert, so we lost quite a few there. Yeah. They crossed the Colorado River in Native American canoes, and then ascended 2,000 feet to the Black Mountains of Arizona. I believe that is the only spot, Liz, where they were transported in a vehicle other than, like, that they were not running. 
Interesting. Like that's they were across the river with the canoes and then they ran the rest of the way. From there, they made their way into New Mexico. One day in New Mexico, they encountered a sandstorm, which was actually more of a rock storm because the wind was so strong, it was picking up pebbles and just pelting it at the runners. And there was so much sand and dust in the air that at times they couldn't even see like 10 feet in front of them. And there was like these tufts of dry perigrass that are just like like tumbleweeds just like flying at them and cutting their skin. So they're just like in this windy tornado of rock and dust (laughs) and tumbleweed. Hard pass. Yeah, no thanks. I hate wind. I realized this in... Nantucket recently. I had a very lovely weekend, but it was very windy on the coast, and I don't think I ever realized how much I hate wind exposure. Why do you hate it so much? Yeah. It, like, it gives you a headache. Like You can get wind burn. I guess if I it's like cold wind, I feel like I hate it because it. it like burns your face. I feel like in this wind, when it's like pelting sand and rocks at you, that's problematic, but I feel like in general I don't have a strong opinion about wind. <laughs> I, I sustained wind exposure <laughs> is oh, okay. terrible. All right. So we move on to Albuquerque, but Albuquerque failed to make their cash contribution on day 25. So the towns that they were stopping and were supposed to make cash contributions to like okay. bring the race into town. Oh, okay. um, so they failed to make their contribution on day 25. So Pyle had the runners 96 remaining at this point bypass the city and just go to the next stop in seven springs i mean which was a cold and windy place so they spent a night at a cold and windy camp and pile spent the night in albuquerque's finest hotel of course he did to make matters worse throughout the journey in arizona and in new mexico the quality of water they were given was so poor that many men developed quote-unquote stomach trouble which we all know what that means. Is that just the shits? Yeah. I'm assuming it's the shits. He didn't want to say the shits in his article, but he said stomach <laughs> But it's definitely the shits. So now you're running a mega ultra marathon, shitting your pants the entire way. <laughs> like, oh, I can't. Drinking water every 15 miles. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that when I'm not running. Yeah. No, thank you. Running to a toilet is where you need to be running. That's it. <laughs> Correct. Day 33, they encountered freezing rain in Texas, which turned the dirt roads into, quote, ankle-deep, tendon-ripping mud. Whoa! Not the tendon! Not the tendon! (laughs) (laughs) Is the ACL a tendon? It's a ligament, and it's in your knee. It's a ligament. Oh, I hate everything. I saw something recently, a meme that was like, what is the ACL even for besides tearing? That's all I ever hear it do. <laughs> it like stabilizes your knee I mean, and interior of your knee. I'm sure it's an unsung hero most of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Ankle deep, tendon ripping mud. Stop it. Stop I repeating no. You had such a thing about ankles. I, oh, I, yeah, it's so, you know, my skate. My ice skating phobia originates from an ankle injury video. I did not know that. Yeah. You know the tendon that. on the back of your, like... Your Achilles? Heel. Yeah, your Achilles. Like, there's this video of an, a speed skater who falls, and the person next to them slices their fucking Achilles tendon, and they bleed, and it's horrible. I'm having PTSD. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there were 88 runners remaining at this point in time, and they call this day the worst day of the entire race. The mud. I would call it the worst day of my life. Potentially. Yeah. In fact, across much of Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, they encountered snow, sleet, hail, and rain, which would create a, quote, heavy gumbo mud that built up on their shoes, and they would have to, like, stop pretty frequently on the side of the road to like scrape this mud off their shoes because it would just be so thick they couldn't run with it. Ugh, I hate it. By the time they got through Oklahoma, there were 80 runners left. In Illinois, more runners got hit by cars and motorcycles as they ran alongside <laughs> traffic. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and 
After Chicago, they began running 50 to 70 miles per day. <laughs> that just oh. seems like it's the seems body impossible. is physically incapable. Yeah. It's impossible. All this does is make me just like hate your segment more. <laughs> and this was because they the race organizers pretty much ran out of money by this point in time. Like yeah. most of the cities failed to make their cash contributions. The race was teetering on bankruptcy. Bills were going unpaid and they needed the race to be done ASAP. So like, let's just have them run 70 fucking miles to wrap this up sooner. On these days, some of the men wouldn't make it back to like to the camp checkpoint until like two or three o'clock in the morning and then just collapse on the side of the road in the grass too yeah. weak to make it to a tent. So like, imagine just waking up the next morning and just like men just dead on the ground all around oh. you. It's like a fucking prison oh. camp. Oh my God. Yeah. It's horrible. I, I can't. And sometimes the men would collapse on the road and the other like runners would like pick them up and kind of hold each other up to get to the checkpoint. Became a, nice. It became a co-op at that point. Socialism. <laughs> <laughs> day 79. We're closing on the end here. The longest day of the race. They ran 75 miles in New York. That battling Come on. heat hills and weeks worth of accumulation of injuries i don't know if i yeah. trust any of the reporting on this because these numbers are lies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the checkout from multiple sources so in the last four days of the race the mileage was reduced significantly because the organizers wanted the men to look quote respectable when they arrived in New York City, like they didn't, they didn't want people seeing how horrifically like starving and injured these men were. Yeah. So like we'll give them a few days of easy running to like perk back up a little bit, so they don't. Were they all also like skeleton with like you have no regrets about doing this? <laughs> you were treated like kings, <laughs> oh. <laughs> probably. Oh my God. When when they arrived in New York City, oh there was um. To get from New York, New Jersey to New York City, they took a ferry. So there was that, too. It was the only other time. So only water crossings. When they arrived in New York City, they had to run 200 times around a marble track in Madison Square Garden. So, like, you've made it there. You've, like, yeah, we're and in New York City. To, we're here. Yeah. And if they run fucking 20, it's 20 miles, pretty much. So you run around this track for an extra 20 miles. You're like, I'm fucking here. What the fuck? Oh, my God. That's just, that's like... Almost adding another marathon onto, yeah, it's an, it's twenty miles. It's almost a marathon. Yeah, jeez, it's like so unnecessary. Like why? Like three thousand four hundred and two miles wasn't enough. We need to add an extra twenty for shits and giggles. <laughs> Throughout the race, men were developing shin splints, which often took them out of the race. One of the front runners dropped out just two weeks before the end of the race. Because of a severely infected, like, he had a severe tooth infection, probably from all the jam and juice. <laughs> yeah, and he probably couldn't be seen by anyone. Yeah, I mean, you're like on the road. You're not going to. Yeah, you're on no, the road. Yeah. You're, you're, you don't you have medical. Go see a dentist. Staff, apparently. Oh. They have just, like, and, a, doctors that will show up at your tent eventually, but. And it would probably yeah, take time out of your, like. With their gross blankets. Out of your race their, time. Yeah, like how sanitary is the doctor equipment, I wonder, when they're taking care oh. of you on your crusty sheets. <laughs> I hate it. He wasn't able to eat anything other than liquids for, like, two weeks straight and was still running. But eventually he just became too weak to go on and too sick. So he had to drop out just two weeks at the end. And he was one of the top people, like, predicted to potentially win. And the man who did end up taking first place. He, at one point, had developed a bad case of tonsillitis and had a fever, but he obviously did manage to stick it through the entire race, but he was pretty sick at some point, too, but kept on trucking. Along the way, if a man had to be picked up off the road because of an injury and like brought back to camp for medical attention, he would then, after getting his treatment, would be driven back to the point where he had stopped and dropped off there to make up the miles. Like You don't, you don't get to... Get off. I guess you could just be like, no, I'm done and drop out. But yeah. if you wanted to keep going, you would have to go yeah. all the way back by vehicle and start where you left off. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think if I got to the point where I was being trucked back to camp, I'd be like, I'm tapping out. We're like, done. Yeah, we're, we're done here. We're done with this. Like, now that yeah. I'm here, 
I'm in yeah. now that I'm please, cuddled please into my crusty home. sheets and my flaking pillow. Like I just can't may I have a ride road. home, please. Yes. Thank you. The end of the road. So 55 men finished the race down from 199. So about a quarter. Sure. The winner was a 20 year old man named Andy Payne from Oklahoma. That's the guy the with youth. tonsillitis. Yeah. He yeah, finished in 573 hours, 4 minutes, and 34 seconds, which is almost a full 24 days of just Wait, running. I cannot fathom that. I know. He went through five pairs of shoes. Like, along does the not compute. Yeah. You spent, like, more than three weeks of your life just running. Mm-hmm. Ugh. In this, like, three-month period. Not even. Ugh. There's no. so many other things you could have done with that time. Yeah, worked and fed your children. <laughs> well, now you can feed his children. Yes. Oh. Just wasn't a guarantee. So the top 10 men in the competition did end up getting their prize money. But like, again, imagine being number 11, <laughs> going back I, home I just, to your wife and your four children, being gone for like three months, not making any money. <laughs> yeah. Been like, hey, honey. I feel Aww. like that's like coming up one child short in the stork derby. Yes. 100%. <laughs> like all that investment, all that pain, getting so close, and you just have to like go empty handed for all of your troubles. Tail between your legs. I hate your it. Your head between your legs. <laughs> head between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of prizes, so the men had been told that there would be local prizes from the towns along the way. So, like, for the first five runners who arrived in town, in each town, were supposed to get prizes there. Uh, like, what? Like one Did for they the day. say what kind of prizes? Um, they didn't say, and they never got them. The prizes never materialized. So, the organizer... What? Yeah. The organizer. Well, you said claimed, earlier, too, that, like, cities didn't put in, like, the money that they promised yeah, a lot they of them would didn't. put in... A lot of them didn't pay up like they were supposed to. But the organizers claimed, like, after the fact, like, oh, well, the rivalry that would have been created by the promise of prizes, that would have just, like, endangered the welfare of the runners. So we, but we never procured these prizes. Is there no rivalry in the whole race to get the to the thousands of dollars at the end? Additionally, you guys aren't looking out for the runners. Like, yeah, what they're the not fuck? really caring about the welfare of these runners. <laughs> Well, I bet you it was probably just like Chicago was going to give them a deep dish pizza. <laughs> like, I would take that. <laughs> something like stupid and local that was just more like symbolic oh in God. value. When all you're yeah. eating is a jam sandwich per day, like a deep dish pizza would be an amazing prize. Even yeah. though it's the worst. <laughs> I don't pizzas. see the problem. How hard is it, Chicago? <laughs> Fucking Chicago. <laughs> it's probably just an excuse to cover up the fact that they ran out of money for prizes. Yeah. Yeah. I would. This would be listed as my biggest regret. <laughs> but wait, there's more, guys. Because believe it or of not, in is. 1929, Pyle held the second Bunyan Derby going Why? from New York City back to L.A. No! Was it just everybody who wanted to go back home? <laughs> like, well, we're here it's now. It's the return trip. <laughs> Can't afford to ship you home. And you just drop oh out when you get God. close to your home state. <laughs> um, there were some people who did run the second Derby. And the, but the second derby or the second race left Pyle bankrupt, and none of the ten winners got their prize money. What? I would murder somebody. Yeah, just straight up. Like imagine and going nobody would blame LA me. to New York, coming number eleven, and being like, "I'll fucking do it the other way around," and come home with money, and then you spend another three fucking months going the opposite direction, and you come number one or in the top ten, and you get nothing. If I could turn back time, I would not run that race. <laughs> You're welcome. The first one or the second one? Oh, any of them. All of the above. D, all of the above. That's oh just infuriating, God. though. Yeah. Like, I would I murder someone or I would sue. Either way, I am yeah. not being punished for my actions no because except by your wife everybody <laughs> understands it would be justified um justifiable <laughs> and, and, yeah and that's how that works i think it would be an easy temporary insanity self-defense yeah i like it <laughs> i would think that 
I would absolutely be insane at the end of that. Oh, for sure. You're insane at the start of it. To even yeah. sign up, but <laughs> I don't think you have a leg to stand and on. They can't say it's premeditated because I wouldn't know until I got there that they weren't There's getting no any money. money. Yeah. I guess. The perfect crime. <laughs> to sum up, a famous sports columnist at the time described the Bunyan Derby as quote, the weirdest, most ridiculous, and confused athletic event in the annals of sports. I yes. fucking agree. <laughs> yes. I what mean, I don't know. There doing? are a couple other marathons I talked about that are kind of crazy she's trying to maintain (laughs) her superiority do not let her get away with it listeners if you think that liz should get off her high horse about her (laughs) marathon episodes then you should listen to more harpy hour all the Harpy Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and leave us a positive review. And if you want to write in and let us know that you think Steph was a sneaky, backstabbing, bitch Whoa. for taking <laughs> Whoa. a running Whoa. segment, Took a turn. <laughs> You can write that hate mail into Steph and pledge your Liz allegiance at harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at harpyhourpod. This got, this escalated quickly. This is, this is personal at this point. It's aggressive. Right. Yeah. We are also on Patreon. If you have any extra money lying around that you just don't know what to do with, or if you don't, then you want to make some poor financial decisions. Consider donating to us to keep us on the air. You want to see how this rivalry turns out? (laughs) Yeah, donate to us to help me in my defense against Liz when she does physical harm to me. They're going to hire lawyers. It's going to be intense. It's going to be a thing. I'm going to get off on insanity. (laughs) Absolutely no premeditation here. (laughs) We have the receipts. We have the receipts. receipts. Oh my God. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.